Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. We thank you for salvation in Jesus Christ. We thank you for victory in Jesus, the exchange of our sinfulness for righteousness that comes only through knowing Jesus Christ as our Lord. We thank you for great victory. We, great, we thank you for hope, for peace with God and peace in our own hearts and minds. We thank you, Lord, for this day. We thank you for the opportunity we have to gather in this place together and to honor the Lord Jesus Christ with our lives and to seek to understand what it is you would have us to do in our world today. We present ourselves to you today and we ask that, we might, that you might see us as living and holy sacrifices acceptable to you. This is our spiritual service to do, so we ask that you might help us Lord, to be all that we should be for you, please forgive us of our sins as your people in our words and in our actions and in our thoughts. We ask that as we've sought to honor the Lord Jesus Christ in our singing and his death on the cross, and as I seek, Lord, to speak and declare publicly again, Jesus Christ is crucified, that the Holy Spirit of God would, as we know the promise, do His great work among us here and for all of our friends and those who listen in <clears throat> who cannot be with us publicly. How we need, Lord, to be Your people in these days, we ask that You might help us to let our light shine so that people may see our good works and glorify God. Lord, as we come in just a while to the table of the Lord, may we come to the table of the Lord having confessed our sin, and to celebrate and thank you for all of your great sacrifice for us, Lord Jesus. We, are, we call you Lord, and we follow you and commit to you our lives. Whatever our lives bring, whatever comes in this world, we say, Lord Jesus, and we are committed to following you. Bless now our time in your word, and we thank you for this privilege to be together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, good morning. Good to see all of you. If you have your Bibles, find your place in the book of Romans. Uh, we're going to be looking this morning in Paul's, Paul's letter to the Roman church. <clears throat> Those of you who are just joining us these days, we're talking about the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. What does it mean for Jesus to have died on the cross? That's what we're talking about these days. It is a very important topic and subject for us in the days in which we live. Uh, we've recently talked about how great is our God, and we've thought together for months, trying to set our minds on things above, rather than all of these things around us that distract us, about how great our God is, and all of His glorious perfections and attributes. Now we come to talk about this greatest of all events in human history. That is the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. And of course, the gospel is his death and his resurrection. And so today I stand before you in honor, seeking to honor the Lord Jesus Christ alone. In my words, I'm unashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the power of God to save those who will believe. And perhaps you're listening today, and for all of you who can't be with us, our dear people, we miss you, we love you. We pray that you'd soon be back with us and that you'd be able to do that. In the meantime, we're honored that you can be with us today. Whoever's listening and for all of you who are here, may the Lord bless you. So we come to Paul's words in Romans chapter 5. 
These are familiar words to many of us in this room. Uh, many of you who are Bible study teachers, you've taught through this section of Romans. Most of you who are familiar to coming to church, you've heard these words shared or preached at other times. Today I come back to remind us, as Paul was reminding the Roman church, I remind this church of what Jesus Christ did for us when we were still in our sin. And so with that in uh, introduction, let's stand together as we, in honor of the reading of God's Word, and I hope you'll take your copy of God's Word, Romans chapter 5. I'm going to be, begin reading in verse number 6, and I'll read through verse number 11. Romans chapter 5, beginning in verse number 6, For while we were still helpless, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for the good man someone would dare even to die. But God demonstrates His own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by His blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through Him. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son, much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. And not only this, but we also exalt in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. Heavenly Father, bless the reading of Your Word and may the Holy Spirit of God be our teacher today. <clears throat> In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I hope you'll keep your Bible open. Paul has been describing now the way to a relationship with God. He says in chapter 5, verse 1, having been justified by faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So through what Jesus Christ did on the cross, as we'll talk about today in detail again, <clears throat> We now have a way to God. Our focus today, the focal truth that we'll look at today is this, that Jesus Christ died on the cross to reconcile sinners to a holy God. That's the, that's the focus around which all my comments will be made today. Christ Jesus died on the cross to reconcile sinners, ungodly, unholy sinners to a holy God. So we begin to think about this great truth. What does the Lord say as He hangs on that cross surrounded by sinners? Father, forgive them. Forgiveness comes to those who need it, who are sinners. God forgives sinners. And through the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ, there is forgiveness of sin. It is important for us this morning to think about this, and I ask it again. It's a simple question, but the answer you must really understand if you understand the gospel. The gospel begins, what is it? <clears throat> Jesus Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture. And that's what we're spending our time on these days together. I make no apology for spending the amount of time we're going to spend on the greatest single event that can change your life forever, and that is the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. And because of that, it's important for us to understand all that it means, all that happened 
as a result of the Lord Jesus hanging those hours at the place of a skull, saying and speaking all kinds of words that all heard, and hanging helplessly on that cross until he died. As I spoke to you two weeks ago and read to you from John 19, those most powerful words at the end of the Lord Jesus' life, and when he tasted the bitter vinegar, when he took the bitter vinegar, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and he gave up the ghost. That's what we learn about the cross of Jesus Christ. The finished work of Jesus Christ comes in his death. So Paul uses this word, we. Did you see it all through what I read? Verse 6, we were still helpless. Verse number 8, we were yet sinners. Verse number 10, we were yet enemies toward God. He also uses this phrase or this word about time. He says in verse 6, while we were yet helpless. While, verse 8, we were still sinners. While we were enemies. So today, I'm reminding my Christian friends of what Jesus Christ did for you on the cross that ought to bring great gratitude, devotion, and thankfulness to Him so that you would serve Him all the days of your life. This is what the Lord Jesus Christ did so that you might have life, so that you might be saved, so that you might be a joy to others and telling them about eternal life. This is for us who are believers, but from these words reminding us of what Jesus Christ did for us, we have the essence of the gospel that we share with other people. So how do we begin today? Well, I wonder today, do you really understand, do you really believe that people in this world are sinners? Well, you might laugh saying, Pastor Mike, are you, are you serious? Are you serious? Why, look at the way people live. Surely, of course we believe they're sinners, but why is it that so many people tell me when it gets right down to it, well, I just hope that I live a good enough life that I can go to heaven when I die. You see, that's just, that's just not the case. If you are a sinner and you accept the fact that you have sinned and you have sinned against God and others, you cannot go to heaven in your sinful condition. That's what the law of God was all about. Do not steal. Do not covet. Do not be an idolater. Do not live in sexual immorality and adultery. Do not bear false witness and lie against your neighbor. Don't covet what your neighbor has. All of these things remind us that the law and its holiness reminds me that I am a sinful person. That I have sinned against God. Paul says it in this very book. It's a famous verse to most of you in here. Romans 3.23 All have sinned. All Everyone, no matter their rank, no matter their background, no matter where they live on the planet, no matter their education, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Man is in a desperate condition. Every generation faces this same fact. Every child born into this world, born into this world, a sinner. So I must turn our faces back, as Paul reminds us here, to look at that ugliness of sin so that we might celebrate the glory of the cross of Jesus Christ. Did you know that when you sin against God, it is outright rebellion? That's what sin is. Sin is saying to God, I'm going to do what I want to do and I don't care what you have said. 
I reject your authority. I reject your power in my life. I will do what I want to do. I wonder today if you are enjoying and recognizing that as a result of Jesus Christ's death on the cross and your reconciliation and new friendship with God that you have the joy, the blessedness, the sweetness of calling God Father. You only call Him Father because you've been reconciled as an enemy sinner toward God through Jesus Christ. These things become very important for us. I've through my days of ministry, it's interesting how people will sometimes pass by the cross as if this is just something for lost people. No, this is for saved people. That's why Paul spends the time talking to saved people about the cross of Jesus Christ. I have three observations for you today, and here they are. They're very simple. They come right out of the text, verse 6, verse 8, and also verse 10. Number one, Christ died for helpless sinners at the right time. Number two, Christ died loving sinful sinners who are obsessed in their sinfulness. Number three, Christ died reconciling sinful enemies to God. So that's our focus for today. And may the Lord Jesus give us understanding in this. First of all, what does Paul say in verse six? For while we were still helpless, this this word helpless is the word that has to do with being weak and feeble and without strength. You see, that's the condition of every man and woman, boy and girl in this world. In our sinfulness, we are utterly helpless to save ourselves. We cannot do anything to get ourselves out of the condition we're in. What can we do to remove the guilt in our life? Some say, I'll just drink more. I'll just sedate myself. I'll just go and chase possessions. I'll just try to focus and obsess on some person. We're helpless to remove ourselves from those things that terrorize us because of our sin. Minds without peace, without joy, without hope. Sadness and hatefulness and, and possessing lusts that drive us. We are helpless. We are helpless in our sin. And Jesus Christ died so that he might help the helpless who are in their sin to be saved. Think about that today, my friend. You know, we don't like to be, we don't like to admit our helplessness. There's not a man in this room. Men are the worst. You don't want anybody's help, do you? You think you know how to do everything. Well, you don't. Your wife's been telling you that for years. You are pitiful and helpless. And your wife is worried because the older you get, the more helpless you become. Helplessness. We don't like to admit our helplessness. We're Americans after all. Yeah, Americans. How's that working for us these days? Americans. We're helpless. We don't know what to do. We don't know how to satisfy uh, peace with God. We don't know how to save ourselves. That's why the wonder of the Gospels are so good for us. You see, blind men can't make themselves see. And sick men and women cannot make themselves well. And dead men cannot come back to life. Helplessness, utter helplessness because of my sin. I'm born into this world and I cannot change my sinful ways. I cannot help myself to know how to please God. No matter how many good things I try to do, I cannot save myself. I am 
in a miserable condition of helplessness. This is the condition, my dear friends. I'm appealing to you now. Why do we share the gospel? We share the gospel with people who are spiritually helpless. They look like they can do anything. They look like they have strength and intelligence, but they are helpless in their sin. Do you not see it? This is why we go. This is why we share the gospel here and around the world because of the utter helplessness of men and women, boys and girls in their sin. That's why Paul said such wonderful words in the book of Hebrews as he was talking about the Lord Jesus Christ who identified and became one of us. He said he did not give, listen, help to the angels, but he has given help to the descendants of Abraham. That's every last one of us. He goes on to say in that chapter, Hebrews 2.18, He is able, Jesus Christ is able to come to the aid of those who are tempted. You see, the Lord will help you, my friend, if you will believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved and repent of your sins. So Christ died, Paul says, for the helpless at the right time. At the absolute time of times, in the flow of history, Jesus Christ tasted the vinegar, hung there helplessly, pathetically on that cross. Can you imagine the Lord Jesus Christ, the creator of all things, saying, I am thirsty. He hung on that cross, tasted that vinegar and said, it's done. It's finished. And then he died and was buried. Christ died also loving sinful sinners. Now let me expand on this for just a moment. Verse number 8. But God demonstrates His own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Oh, this is very important for us. Here we see this beautiful picture of the cross. God is loving sinful people, listen, who are sin obsessed. That's what sinfulness is. Do you know that? It's obsession. And everybody's born with it. Obsession for sin. Oh, it may take different forms. That's why the ten words, the ten commandments are so important for us. The law of God is holy. We don't all sin in the same ways, but we all sin. And because of sin, we obsess about our sinfulness because we think that we are the center of the world. We in our selfless, in our selfishness rather than selflessness... We obsess about sin and we wake up every day, as the Word of God says many places in the Psalms, imagining new ways we can be sinful. We go to bed thinking about it. We wake up in the morning <clears throat> driven by our greediness and our covetousness and our hatefulness or whatever it might be, our lusts and all of those things. We're obsessed with our sin. And while we were obsessed, I'm talking to you, my friend, before you were saved, while you were obsessing in your sin, God demonstrated His love by Jesus dying for our sins. He did not die for you when you were good enough. He did not die for you when you were religious enough. He did not die for you when you could live up to it. He died for you in your sin-obsessed condition. This is so important for us. Men love the darkness more than they love the light. David said in Psalm 52, you love evil more than you love good, falsehood more than speaking what is right. Jesus Christ, our Lord, surrounded by mockers, 
and haters who crucified him who represent us. We're all the same. Sometimes we read about the gospel and say, oh my, they were terrible to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so have you been in your sin. Christ died for those who live in pride and self-righteousness and in, <clears throat> in the grotesque condition of ungodly sexual immorality and godless passions, greediness and covetousness. In this is love. Not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation. The satisfaction for our sins. The death of Jesus Christ demonstrates God's unconditional love for sinners who love their sinfulness. Don't ever forget. This is why Paul's saying this to the church and I'm saying it to the church. Don't ever forget. When you were sin obsessed, God loved you in your sin obsessed condition. It changes the way you live as a Christian, doesn't it? Why would you want to... Why would you want to sin in the face of God and go back to your sinfulness when He has done all of this for you through Jesus Christ? Paul says also in verse number 10, Christ died reconciling sinful enemies to God. Someone had to do the work. Someone had to stand between a holy God and sinful men. If while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son. That's the only part of this phrase I want to look at today. While we were enemies, you see, we don't really believe, some of us, that our loved ones who are, non, who are unsaved today, our children and grandchildren who are unsaved today, those who work with us who are unsaved today, who live in this country or around the world who are unsaved today, are enemies to God, but they are. They are enemy rebel sinners, choosing their own ways rather than God's ways. Sinners are enemies to God. Sinners are hostile and hateful toward God. They hate hearing about the Bible. They hate, they hate the church coming out to speak about Jesus Christ dying for their sins. They hate the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord said, they will hate me and they will hate you if you stand for me. That's the way it's going to be in the world in every generation until Jesus comes again. There is hatefulness and there is rebellion against God doing whatever we can to live in our sin and wickedness every day, and you have friends and family. Oh, does it ever break the heart of God's people that there are those in their family who are not saved, who are enemies to God, who stand in open hostility to God. They sound like these religious leaders who were at the cross. What did Pilate say? Here's your king. Of course he said it in mockery. But what did those religious leaders say? Oh, these are the words of sinful people from generation to generation who hear about Jesus and resist Him. We will not have this man reign over us. That's what rebellious sinners say. There's not any good feelings or thoughts about this. You see, when you speak of the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ in His majesty and in who He is in His full person, and people hear those things while we're reminded of what Paul says in the very beginning of this book, Romans 1.18, the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men and women 
who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. They put it in their minds and they put it out of their minds and go back to their sin. That's what rebellion against, that's what rebellion against God is all about. It is hatefulness. It is rebellion. It is refusing to obey God. Zechariah said of the children of Israel, they refuse to pay attention. They turn a stubborn shoulder and stop their ears from hearing the word of God. There is a fighting and a resistance of God's ways. Sinful enemies. This is an amazing statement. While we were sinful enemies, the Lord Jesus Christ made a way to be reconciled to God. Only the Lord Jesus could do it. To reconcile us to God. So today we're reminded by Paul that while we were still helpless, and if you're here this morning and you're not saved, you might be a religious person, but you're not saved. You're helpless in your sins. That's why you can't change. That's why you can't get victory over sin in your life. Oh, when you come to know the Lord Jesus Christ, there's power. There's power in your life to set you free. There's power from God to make you new in Christ. With a new mind, with a new heart, with new desires. The power of God. What did we see last week from Paul? He said that the preaching of the cross of Jesus Christ brings the power of God. And every person in this room who's saved, you have experienced the power of God. Why would you go back to a wasted, empty, powerless life and dwell in your sin again? Christ died for obsessed sinners. Obsessing. The world can't get enough of sin. The world just keeps inventing new ways to do the same old things. And the Lord Jesus Christ died to, to bring us back to being able to call God our Father. That's what this is all about, my friends. That's why the Lord Jesus said it's finished. Now helpless sinners can be helped and be saved. Now, obsessed sinners can follow Jesus Christ exclusively as Lord. Now we can be reconciled to God and enjoy the greatest blessing of all. Look, you may love your spouse. You may love your children. You may love deeply your grandchildren and great-grandchildren. But there is no, no relationship of greater, greater glory than a reconciled, sweet, wonderful relationship with God. And the only way I have it is through Jesus Christ, His death on the cross, making a way for reconciliation. But I must believe and repent of my sins to be saved and experience reconciliation. That's why Paul would say in verse 11, We have now received the reconciliation. Can anybody say amen to that? Amen. That's true for every believer in this room. Now, what do we, what do we learn as we finish today? What, what are some things we need to remember? Well, I've been trying to press these truths home to you, but I have just a, several for you here to apply what we've seen from this passage. First of all, I've said it in many ways, but let me try to conclude it by saying my sinfulness, your sinfulness, the sinfulness of our friends who are lost in their sins today. My sinfulness makes me helpless to save myself or change myself. But you see, the world's on this, this, this whole idea that I can change myself. I can fix myself. 
I can remedy myself. The very fact, this is interesting, the very fact that human beings know they need to change reminds them that they're sinners at heart. That's what's deep inside of every person. They know they're not good enough. They know the badness of their life. They know the sadness of their life because of their behavior, because of their thoughts, because of what they do and say. You see, my sinfulness makes me helpless to change or help myself. Jesus Christ died in helplessness to save the helpless. There is nothing more dramatic, more powerful for us than to look, as I said before, at the sadness and helplessness of the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross. Some of us grew up hearing him sing songs. He could have called 10,000 angels. Some of you heard that song before in your life. Yes, he could have. But he died in utter helplessness. When you look to the cross, remember he died in utter helplessness to help you out of your sinfulness if you will believe in him. And once you have believed in Him, you must live in the power of God that comes as a result of not only the death of the Lord Jesus Christ for our sin, but the power of His resurrection. Sinners who love to sin. Now I'm talking about the world here for a minute. You know, we, we Christians kind of wrinkle up our nose, judge people. You know, how can I judge wicked sinners when I used to be a wicked sinner before I was saved? How can I do that? How can I go around with some kind of a measuring rod as if, well, you know, boy, look at those people. They're really wicked. Yes, so were you. You were a liar. You were a thief. You were an adulterer. You were a sexual immoral, immoral person. You were an idolater. You were godless and ungodly. But somebody saved you and changed your life. And somebody told you the message, the good news for the bad news, that you could be changed. You see, sinners who love to sin are loved this very moment by a God who loves sin-obsessed people. They don't even know it. They don't even understand it. They wake up in a state of sinfulness and go to sleep in a state of sinfulness, and as Paul says in other places, dead in their sins, waiting for somebody to shine the light, waiting for somebody to tell them there is another way to live. You can have a new life. You can be changed and transformed. Enemies of God can be reconciled to God, and this room is filled with former enemies of God. And now, you know what you say? Lord Jesus, have your own way. I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'll say whatever you want me to say. I'll go wherever you want me to go. That's the difference between being an enemy and a friend of God. Pastor Mike, what do I do? What do I do? How do I use these things? What do I do with this in my life? Ah, this is what I've been trying to do. I hope it helps. I hope it comes to your heart today, my friend. That as I've spoken to you about the cross and the finished work of the Lord Jesus and our desperate condition before we were saved, that it makes you, it makes you praise God, submit to Him, and thank Him deeply that when you were a helpless, wicked sinner, in your rebelliousness, 
and you called out to the Lord Jesus Christ to save you, He saved you. Oh, the glory of salvation in Jesus Christ. Can you ever get over it? Can you ever live long enough? Can you ever be saved enough years not to say again, as, we, as Brother Steve tried to lead us to sing these great songs of praise about the Lord Jesus' death on the cross and His blood for us. You see, repenting of my sinfulness and believing in the Lord Jesus Christ starts a new way of life and that's the way I continue to live. And some Christians in this room today should be ashamed of the way you're living and the way you're acting and the things you're saying and thinking. Your Lord has died for your sins and you've gone back to it. Your rebellion is clear to God. Why would you do that as a rebellious child of God? No wonder there's no joy, no power. No wonder there's no victory. No wonder you're fearful every day. No wonder you're agitated and filled with hate and cynicism because you've gone back away from walking with God and you have your pet sin and you won't give it up. You love your pet sin more than you love Jesus. The Lord knows where you are. He's the one who saved you. So we are called to repent. We come to the table of the Lord in just a moment. To have the supper of the Lord together. It is important for us to come clean before God. It is important for us to come ready and prepared. Knowing as best we can our sins are We've confessed them to God and we're ready to come to this table to honor the Lord Jesus Christ and finally rejoice in salvation. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. There is no greater blessing than being saved, being a new creature in Christ, being reconciled to God. I can pray. I can read the Word of God and the Holy Spirit speaks to me through these words. I can live in joy in a joyless world. I can live with power to overcome my sinfulness and my wickedness. I have the Holy Spirit of God. I'm united to Jesus Christ. He is my heavenly Father. He has given me all that I need and all I will ever need. And He gives me eternal life so that when I breathe my last here, I go on being with the Lord in heaven. This all comes from the cross. What do I do today? I remember, for God demonstrates His own love toward us. In that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us.